<laughs> Welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk. I'm waiting for my great guests to come, Ash Fury. I can't wait to talk to them to hear about all this uh, interesting concept of sound and sensory. So uh, I expect they'll be popping on any minute now. And uh, we'll, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Uh, we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, I'm feeling pretty good. The weather, although today I think the weather's going to be a little, a little bit challenging. Uh, I think rainy, not rainy, sunny, not sunny, that kind of thing. So let me, um, let me tell you a little bit about uh, Ash. I talked a little bit about her them they uh she uh earlier in the first hour but i want to i want to go to her website so um so on her website ash ash fury is a sonic artist who blends uh uh installation and performance uh called purely visceral and staggeringly original by the New Yorker. Uh, Fury's full body sonic experiences work on the senses in startling ways. The recipient of two Lincoln Center Emerging Artist Awards, not one, but two, uh, and a Guggenheim Fellowship, a Rome Prize in Music Composition, a DAAD Artist in, Artist in Berlin Prize, a Foundation for Contemporary Arts Grant for Artists, a Fulbright Fellowship to France, a Stuttgart Composition Prize, a Darmstadt uh, Chronic Steiner Music Prize, and a Mellon Postdoctoral Fellowship from Columbia University. Fury holds a PhD in Music Composition from Harvard University, is Associate Professor of Music at Dartmouth College and was named Co-Artistic co Director of the Industry LA in 2021. So, uh, busy, 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 busy and celebrated. <coughs> Excuse my cough. Busy and celebrated. So I'm looking forward to uh, hearing about what animal is. And, uh, uh, it opened to a uh, uh, it opened a benefit concert for the kitchen at Town Hall Theater in New York on April twenty third of this year twenty twenty three, and uh, and and then there was a a long play on Sunday May seventh at the Mark Morris Dance Center. Uh, so there's she's busy busy. There's a lot going on here. Uh, so I'm 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 interested in hearing about how do you gather people to listen to music in this at this level, and what does that look like, and what does that mean, you know, and what is the expectation uh, of of uh, uh, and the experience of this kind of listening? I'm fascinated by it. So anyway, uh, I'm waiting for her to uh, pop in. And uh, join 
the discussion, the conversation. I don't I don't know if she's on the East Coast or the West Coast. I know she I know she's got her performances kick off on the 21st at the Portsmouth Center uh through the 28th. But I don't know if she's uh here or traveling or whatever. So I mean she she picked a a gorgeous time of year to come to Connecticut. It's it's, it's a lovely time of year. So we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, okay. So uh they're just trying to uh uh just trying to figure out where where their artist is. All right, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll we'll make it happen. We'll figure it out. So anyway. Uh, until while they locate her, <laughs> she has the information. She can log in from anywhere. I hope she's not trying to go look for. Uh, she can log in from her phone. That's the beauty of all this virtual stuff. You can just log in from wherever you at, and uh, you know, be a part of the conversation. So, uh, so yeah, I don't. I didn't pull up any of her music from uh, YouTube or anything like that. Uh, so, uh, uh, so I, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it's, uh, I don't know what it's like because I haven't listened to it. I don't know if, the, if, if it's something that I could pull up and listen to, they didn't send me any tracks. So, uh, so I'm just imagining that, uh, it's one of these things that you have to experience to experience it. So anyway. They do, they try to do some cool stuff at the Schwarzman Center. They're trying to bring some some uh some stuff that you ain't never seen before to the Schwarzman, which I kinda dig. Uh yeah, Maurice wants to jump on that. Yeah, come on. Maurice could jump on. Cause he could talk about this. Cause I bet you uh uh that would be helpful. That would be good. Yeah, so and he could talk about this kind of this kind of music because Maurice is an artist too and uh and uh uh innovative and doing interesting things with sound and visuals and senses so I I bet you he could talk about this uh uh all day so so I think Maurice is gonna jump on and we're gonna talk about this this uh this performance <laughs> and see see how it goes because I'm curious about it because I, I want to understand it. I want to understand what 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 it's about, you know. Because, uh, you know, it's it's one of these things where you just, you know, you you hear people doing innovative stuff that's never been done. And uh, and you're like, wow. Uh, and I'm fascinated by, by people's artistic uh, conceptualization of things, like how they how they figure out how to do this, you know, that they hear something, does something strike them? It, and it's like, you know, because, you know, when you listen to music anyway, you listen to it with your whole self. So, uh, so I'm fascinated by that. So Maurice will jump on and, and he'll set me right. <laughs> he'll get me, he'll get me thinking about this in just the right sort of way. Uh, so that I could, I could uh, wrap my brain around this and, uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully that'll, that'll work out. So. 
Yes, now. <laughs> That'd be great. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh I'm I'm controlling the uh the, the weight room. Because Harry has to step away. So so here is Maurice. Who who had a who had a uh who is a musician in his own right and uh and uh loves to sort of uh uh, uh, is a great creator and innovator of, of sound. So, hey, Maurice, nice to see you. Hey, nice to see you again. Thank you for for jumping in and talking about this because you know, Maurice, I, I, if anybody would know about this kind of immersive music sensory kind of thing, it might just be you. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this immersive sensory thing. In fact, this has been. Um, uh, a long time coming for us, and I'm really excited to see what what Ash has created. Um, I don't know if you recall this because this was uh, wasn't very widely publicized, but Ash did get a chance um, last academic year to come in and explore the space, and um, even give a few members of the Schwarzman Center team a little sampling of the kind of work that they might do in a space as unique, acoustically unique as the dome. So I really think this is going to be uh, a treat. Okay, so so I mean, Ash has a has a lot of credentials. <laughs> She's I, I would imagine yeah. it's ge genius level kind of stuff, right? Like this is genius level kind of stuff. So um, so you all commissioned this particular piece. It's called Animal. Animal, a listening gym. And um, so the animal um, component is the part that you will indeed need to experience. Um, the listening gym uh, piece, I think is a, is a bit easier to explain, but also indeed something that is, uh, is, is gonna be certainly worth uh, stopping by at the Schwarzman Center. So the listening gym, you know, you think about, and it's often been described as a hit workout for the senses, you know, this idea of going into um, a gym and having these stations that are set up on these, these instruments, I'm gonna use hard quotes here, these instruments that um, are physically engaging and then um, bring the room alive with sound and can be played uh, in concert with one another as people are working out, so to speak, in the gym. Wow. Mm -hmm. I, so have you, have, so you've not seen this happen yet. It's going to happen. I've seen a, a teaser of this happening. So I have a, a little bit of an idea on the Schwarzman Center website. You go to schwarzman.yale.edu under events and then click on um, Ash Gary. You will see the uh, there's a little video that you can play that will give you just enough to whet your appetite uh, to come in and uh, to come in and try it out on your own. So what was it about Ash Gary that made you all say commission a piece and come do it over here? Like what was it so. about that work? Yeah, so this particular work, uh, we were really fortunate that it came in through our uh, collaboration with Bryce Desner. As you may know, Bryce Desner has a multi-year residency, an artist in residence in music here at the Schwarzman Center. And Ash Fury was one of the artists that um, was um, curated, as we like to say, uh, by, by Bryce Desner here at the center. You may also remember um, prior to Ash Fury was uh, Natalie Joachin. And Natalie Joachin, Yvonne Lamb, um, they sort of inaugurated the dome, their first public uh, with the first public performance there uh, with space, um, a, a beautiful, uh, more classically based piece. And now here we are on literally the opposite end of the spectrum with, so, with something that is very um, technologically involved, very contemporary, 
uh, but brought to us uh, by the same by the same curator, which is really interesting. So this is this is this is just a thing that the dome could shine in. I think so. I think so. I think that you know this is one of. So we've often described the dome as this black box theater, except white and round. Um, the idea of it being a very experimental space where these types of immersive performances uh, can happen or um, the type of performances that might be difficult to place anywhere else that really require a unique and unconventional space. Uh, and I think that this is a cer certainly an example of that. We're not talking about a performance that um, requires or really can even sort of be done in a traditional seated uh, environment, uh, something that does require sort of some openness and some flexibility for people to move around, for us to have the, uh, the objects that they can interact with um, in that space. So I think that this is definitely something that the dome is, is really designed for. Wow. And so uh, Ash will be here from, I guess it kicks off on the 21st to the 28th? The 21st through the 28th. So um, the live performances for Ash, uh, if you go out to the schedule and you check out a live performance, click on that register link and you see that you are on the wait list, I would still strongly encourage sign up for the wait list, come out for the performance. Um, we're finding that we've had great success getting folks into the performances, even when the performances are waitlisted. But even beyond that, there is the, so there's the live performance piece, but then there is the listening gym piece. We call it gym mode. So when uh, the exhibition or the instruments go into gym mode, um, any visitor can come in during any time that the gym is open, the listening gym is open and explore those instruments explore those scenes with um, either in a self-guided mode or with uh, other individuals there who are trained on the equipment. And I, I would say that uh, a visit to the listening gym is roughly about 30 minutes. It's interesting. So this is like two things. You yes. have the performance of Ash. Yes. Which is its own thing. And then yes. the gym performance, which is its yeah. own thing. Yes. Yeah, and there is a third thing uh, for those who may be even more interested in uh, some of the, maybe some of the academic thought or some of the more technical aspects of the program, we, we also have a thing called Dancing About Architecture. So Dancing About Architecture uh, for the Schwarzman Center has been an ongoing event series where we talk about, um, where we put artists in conversation with, uh, with folks from the academic community and professionals in practice around um, their work and its relation to bodies in space and the architecture and how the architecture um, is designed in ways that um, either they have to you know, work against change or that work very much for them and can help them to produce these sorts of experiences for audiences. And so there will be an iteration of Dancing About Architecture with Ash that takes place on October 24th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. That also is on the event website so folks can uh, register for that as well well i knew if anybody could like set the tone for this conversation it would be you maurice so here's ash hi guys i'm hey. so sorry we're in the midst of install and it just slipped my radar so forgive so me so you're just so you're just upstairs we've been looking all over I, the corners I of the earth the the room. Room. yeah but it's, so it's awesome. very loud out there um let me just quickly get these headphones attached once you're great uh, I will stop by a little later and say hello, I, but I know okay, that you're the business Yeah, yeah. I was just telling um, Babs a little bit about, or at least what I know of the uh, of the coming engagement, uh, a little bit about the 
listening Jim piece, a little bit about the animal piece, I had suggested that folks check out the preview on the website for a teaser of what's to come, but you may want to talk a little bit more about um, animal and the inspiration behind it. I feel like you are uniquely a position to talk about the inspiration. Sure, sure. And I'm happy to be here. So happy to meet you, Babs. Um, it is nice to meet you. Listen, I'm so impressed because you by got what? <laughs> by, by everything. I'm reading your bio on your website and I'm thinking Guggenheim and, and all the things. I'm like, you're like genius level kind of artist. Like, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate mean, it's that. Thought, it's very impressive. Thanks. So I just wanted Thanks. to say Thanks, thanks. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, a lot of those awards I got in a, a different phase in my career where I was working with string quartets and orchestras. And I've really, as I've grown as an artist, really wanted to find spaces where I can build my own instruments and create my own worlds and really work with sound, but in a way that's outside of that traditional format. Um, so it's been really incredible to be here in the Dome Room because we really get access to this space for two and a half full weeks. We're building out an entire installation that's really kind of enter an alternate universe. And as much as I love cellos and violins and have spent much of my life with them, there's not a single kind of icon of that Western music really in this space. It's it's fully alternate reality. <laughs> so oh my God, I can't wait to see. I, now I'm all excited, right? Okay, just, good, good, good. I just came <laughs> off an Afrofuturism summit. Amazing. So oh, cool. Very much in that realm of this universe that you can create and you're doing it with sound and sensory kind of kind of stuff yeah which is you know no no more direct way to the cosmos for me than through sound so <laughs> it oh feels gosh. like a futurist pro project for sure for sure all right so tell me tell me the name animal like what what does that have to do with anything yeah so um i have been my work has really been about the body for a very long time. Um, and what I mean is that it's a really, it works structurally on a visceral way. Like it pushes at the skin, it pushes at the gut much more than it's arranging notes into patterns and into structures like we might think of in, in more traditional music. Um, so visceral kind of sound has been at the core for a long time. Um, I think I've been thinking a lot lately um, inside of that focus on the body um, about I mean, really what the sensory capacities we have as animals means for this moment of collective risk um, and also on a species wide level collective risk and also really what being animal means in the face of chatbots and AI that's coming and all of this sort of there's been some really interesting um, takes on, you know, the hubris of human exceptionalism and our distance from other species and from other sort of um, aspects of the ecology around us have have really been about this kind of like presumption of our cognitive superiority. Like we're more rational, we're more smart, we can solve problems faster, we have ethics, we have morals. And now we have these forces, um, these these alien intelligences, these artificial intelligences that are vastly outperforming us already and will be more and more. Um, but they can't birth babies. They can't feel wind. They can't touch water. They can't, right? So there's this, this kind of turning towards our sensory capacities that feels very pressing right now. Um, and I think that's where the work you see that I'll be performing um, 
the part of the experience that I perform, it's a highly, highly physical engagement. So yes, it's digital sound. Yes, it's electricity pumping through speaker cones. But the way I perform it is intensely athletic. And it's this really feeling my, yeah, my animal self kind of in this hyperly mediated moment. Wow. So, to, you know, since you brought up AI, I mean, do you, do you, are you one of these people that will embrace AI? Are you afraid of it? Do you fear it? Do you think we're going down a path? Do you think it needs to be contained or monitored or policed? Yeah, I think yes to all of those things. <laughs> and I'm also excited by the, the deep reflection that it, like the challenge it poses to our sense of self as humans. And I actually think that it can crack some light into, um, yeah, some rigid senses of what, what we are and why we are superior that could be really productive in turning us back towards a more relational frame and turning us back towards a more sense of um, our shared aliveness. So how did you come to this this deep thinking about a, a different way to express sound and sensory. Like, how did you come to this? Like, what was the moment that shifted? Yeah, it's it's hard to pinpoint. I think in some ways, I've always had a really intimate relationship with sound. I mean, I've been composing since I was really, really young. Um, but I'm really nowadays, like, I mean, this is where I think there is an interesting link in the kind of, and you see this all across Afrofuturism, sort of speaking of Afrofuturism, but the way that this like forward thinking links back cyclically to the ancient past or these kind of symbols from, you know, Egypt, if we're thinking about certain icons of Afrofuturism. But I too am like really interested in the way sound was used as really a species technology, like the way it was sound was in every ancient human culture, no matter the continent, there were practices of, around shared movement and around shared rhythm and shared sounds that were used to fortify the herd and like increase cohesion, increase co-regulation and uh, enact catharsis and, and, and really these like intense sensory rituals that helped us come together and um, I think are really a part of our strength as a species um, that coming together you know there's the famous kind of like human versus lion good luck human like lion versus a hundred humans good luck lion you know like our only only our, our strength is only in our ability to communicate and collaborate and enact this kind of shared trust and this shared planning and I think that trust and that relationality is under siege right now is is deeply fractured i think we are you know our attention spans are under siege i think we're radically disembodied and disassociated from our bodies in a way that is really really um you know making that that ability to sense one another and really be with the risk of right now this kind of urgent moment on our planet even more uh it makes that even more out of reach mm. So this, Ash, this sounds very medical. Like this sounds like this could be used <laughs> in in a in a healthcare situation because we, you know, we've all seen the studies where uh, people with a, a a dementia or Alzheimer's they might not remember people, but if you play totally. a piece of music and it brings them back to whenever they heard that music, and totally. they are quite in that space. So it sounds like. That's what I hear when I'm listening to you talk about this music that puts us back into our 
our maybe our ancestral connections to the yeah. the earth. A, a very very indigenous feeling, I think. I mean, yeah, there is no greater wisdoms I think that we need to turn to right now than all of those. <laughs> yeah, ancient insights that I think, and this is sort of what I mean about that. Like, there's a lot of apocalypse in AI in terms of where it could take us, but I also think it can it can turn us back into a kind of relationality with the living, with the sentient, with the, with the stuff of Earth that we can touch and be with. Um, in a way that like turns us back actually towards those ancient insights, which have been, you know, so obliterated by Western culture. So, so who is your audience, Ash? Like, like, is, is there a lot of musicians out there that are uh, uh, doing what you're doing? Like, are, are you part of a, a collective? Like, I mean, I, I heard Maurice play that whole um, sense, music, sensory, visual artistry mm -hmm. and that's the first time i've ever seen anything quite like that <laughs> so and i dug it so you feel like you know you're in that vein but maybe the ninth degree of that so who who who's listening to you so uh, to be totally honest i'm in a kind of moment of creative evolution um I really grew up through the kind of world of contemporary music and I, so writing, making string quartets and orchestras sound as noisy as I could possibly make them sound. Uh, and I have a PhD in music composition. And so my early career was really um, working with ensembles, some of the finest in the land. And again, like I could get them to make really specific noise and elaborate really elaborate really um, intricate structures that I would notate on scores. But eventually I just felt too constricted by the kind of format of the concert music uh, ritual. So we have a piece and we clap and we have a piece and it's on the stage and the audience sits here. And, you know, those parts of the scripting really felt, um, yeah, they were holding me back. And eventually instead of just detuning a double bass string three octaves till it slapped against its sort of wood the wood part of its body i started making 100 foot double bass strings that were made out of braided aircraft cable and like stretched up over these five foot bri um, styrofoam bridges and those gave me these wild multiphonics and this just like scale of vibration that felt so much bigger than the human and like really felt like this this ability for me to think past again this maybe more 19th century or renaissance like the way we've thought about music as entertainment or as this edification of the elite and we go there to feel cultured and we go there to feel you know seen that that really emerges um in the 1500s and and that's and then kind of catalyzes in the 1700s and 1800s into those orchestral halls and this notion of this composer being separate from the performer and and yeah i just i wanted to break through all of that so it's been a collective process um there are some beautiful listeners and, and vibrational sound makers who will be with me in this performance um in this experience, it's really not a performance because the audience actively engages in the entire installation. Um, but one of them is a really brilliant vocalist and vocal artist named Samita Sinha, who 
also works with vibration, comes from a very different lineage, comes through Indian classical music and has studied Indian vocal traditions for many years, but similarly kind of took those traditions and broke them up into their most kind of primary vibratory DNA and works through that to activate this this vibratory field. So there are, I think, lone rangers that we find ourselves in the, wherever this netherworld is, but I would love it if you named a genre that this, this work <laughs> articulates, because I'm not sure what that word is yet. You let me know after you experience it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I, now I, 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 I was intrigued, because once I started reading about what you were doing, and what you are, what you are, it just sounds so groundbreaking and so innovative. Like, this is just like, from the musicians I know, this is where they want to be. They want to be in this place of, I'm really creating something outside the boundaries of what I've been taught. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I think I do. I like I it. think I do. And I think what I, what I'm excited about this is the first times so I've been building my own instruments now and instruments maybe even too small a word for what these things are. They, but they're, they're sound making machines. Um, and what, what is special about them? One of the things that I find really special about them is that they're quite, the phenomena that they produce are actually quite accessible in the sense that like, you don't have to have studied Bach for on the marimba for 15 years to be able to perform with these instruments you can really just like walk up and touch and feel the polyrhythms emerge and of course there's a you know there's a range of familiarity i think the way that i play them after having worked with them for years is of course you know there's a there's a there's a leap in in kind of nuance um but they're quite immediate as sensations and so i this experience the listening gym is the first time I'm actually inviting the audience up to touch these instruments, to really engage them physically, to have agency in performing them together and listening together as this kind of emergent organism that's moving in the space, that has um, agency to make decisions in the space. So they are, I think, both in some other plane as a kind of instrumental force, but they're also really on the ground with us because you don't need a PhD from wherever to be able to, to, to make it happen. They actually, they meet us right, right where we are, I think. Oh, that's good to know. So that, so people won't be afraid be like, oh, I don't think I feel qualified to like touch No, 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 no. All right. Okay. So the performance begins or the experience begins uh, October 21st and it runs that's through- right the 28th and then That's all between right. there there's you're going to be performing and then people can have the gym experience without having you you know be the gym instructor <laughs> exactly yeah so there's like show mode and gym mode is sort of how we're thinking of the oh, space I love so it. Some, I love it. yeah yeah yeah. sometimes the space is just open like you would like an installation at a museum you can come in wherever you want stay as long as you want there will be some members of this listening squad in there kind of working out the gym and there to sort of be with you, but it's very, you kind of map your own time arc through it. And then there are, I think we're doing five total shows and these are also um, activated spaces where the audience is working the circuit with us, um, but they are more collective experiences. So folks there will come, the show start, the evening show start at 7.30, we'll all gather together, 
will come inside. Um, the, the, the guides or the kind of facilitators with me, we, we will work the circuit. I will perform animal. There will be these moments of kind of more witnessing and, and, and listening from that space of stillness. And there will be these moments where the crowd is really invited as they wish, unforced participation. These things are really beautiful also to just watch somebody else do. But whoever's got the spirit and who's never got the urge and wants to come up and try one or roll underneath this thing or put their hand or their, their body on them, they're, they're there as an invitation and as an offering. Well, thank you so much for your time, Ash Fury. I am yeah. so excited by this. Thank you, Maurice, for uh, priming the pump for this conversation. You're very, you're very yeah, welcome. My apologies for being a few minutes late, oh, guys. It's fine. Um, Maurice, yeah. Maurice was a great you. He really was. Amazing. <laughs> so, Babs, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that. Uh, so we've got a listening gym on the 25th. We also have performances on the 26th and 27th. Well, on the 26th and 27th, the well... Our 21 and up pub on the lower level will also be open from 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. So I think before or after, um, before or after Ash Fury's performances, you can meet me and grab a drink down. Oh, I wall. love it. Oh, you don't say <laughs> less. Say less. <laughs> I'm good. Well, I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to look at my calendar and figure out when I could get one of these performances experiences in because now Amazing. my interest is peaked. Thank you, Ash Fury. You are so talented. I appreciate you so much. And I can't wait to meet you uh, in just a couple of days. Yes. Thank you, Maurice. I'll see you at Thank the you web. <laughs> Take yeah. care. All right. Enjoy your Monday. Bye. This was good. All right. So I, I guess I'm going to look at my calendar and figure out what I'm going to do. In the meantime, uh, I'm on my way out. Thank you, Harry Droz. Tomorrow, uh, I do believe there is a guest. Uh, oh, Harry, Sylvester Saldez, uh Salcedo is coming on. It's Phil Filipino Heritage Month. Remember Phil, uh, Sylvester? So he's coming on tomorrow morning at 10.15. And we're going to talk about Filipino Heritage Month. So uh, tune in tomorrow. I'll be back. I'll see y'all. Mm -hmm.